Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I'm Jason Snell, and we are talking this week about Series 11, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of this series of Doctor Who. It Takes You Away by Ed Heim. And joining me as my guest is an omnipotent frog. Oh, it's James Thompson. Hello. I'm just taking the form of omnipotent frog for this recording. Yeah, but you're using um, James Thompson's voice. It's very strange. And you're you're coming from, uh, uh, as in a previous installment of the Doctor Who Flashcast many, many years ago, from an undisclosed location in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. Um, and so apologies if the call sounds somewhat uh, muffled. But uh, I was not intending to record a podcast, so no, it just I happens did not sometimes. Pack a microphone. Yeah, why? Why would you take a microphone on on your holiday? That seems ridiculous. And yet here we are. Um, just we survived. I hope you survived the Woolly Rebellion by by getting out of Scotland. I think perhaps you avoided the Woolly Rebellion. Well, I from the sounds of it, it started in Norway. So mm. yeah, I, 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 I presumably the sheep would have to like commandeer some kind of boat to get to scotland um it's not or that just far communicate or they could communicate the rebellion plans that's true but, but it, it is not the 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 sheep could definitely get from Nor- norway to scotland fairly quickly i think if if it, it, they needed to it does raise the question whether the sheep in norway speak norwegian mm, well they speak sheep probably but uh, yeah. i don't know if all sheep speak sheep like all humans don't speak humans so maybe not um uh, so this episode is set in Norway in in modern uh modern times and we it is a uh one of these episodes where they come out of the TARDIS at the beginning and they go back in at the end and it, it's not about that it's about the story which I like it's very classic Doctor Who I think to to do it that way um and in this episode they uh the doctor figures out where they are by eating dirt <laughs> <laughs> um also she's concerned about the sheep which made me laugh because the woolly rebellion is the punchline there that no 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 but in a couple of centuries the sheep fight back um they are in the north fjord like part of norway and at one point they say the winter but there's literally no snow except up in the mountains and i thought i don't think that's how norway works i i, I might be wrong but my gut feeling is that norway in the winter is probably very snowy Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and our uh, main Norwegian girl was British, so I'm not convinced mm. this was filmed on location. Uh, yes, um, it might. It might be. Uh, I just I was surprised that they didn't say it was fall. Let's say it's the autumn <laughs> in Norway or something, but they they didn't do that anyway. They they do. They find a uh, they find a from what from the outside looks like a kind of a shack, but from it is actually it's got like a. A, a metal fence and it's got modern doors and it's actually a, a a perfectly it's not it's not exactly rustic this house that they find it, it it initially it seemed like they wanted us to to feel that it was a little more abandoned than it actually is it's it's a it's a house that this man and his daughter have been living in uh they go inside because they they see somebody uh is inside and find a uh a blind girl named Hannah, who um who whose dad has disappeared and uh, she reveals that there is a monster outside in the woods that comes at the same time every day and uh it takes you away so you have to stay inside and that's the name of the episode 
And uh, and so for the first part of this episode, we've got a lot of kind of investigating what this mystery is about. What's the monster in the woods? It's, a you know, out in the middle of nowhere. There's a cabin with a scared blind girl in it. Her father has disappeared. And uh, there's some investigating in the shed where there's like a bunch of bear traps and stuff. And uh, and they're investigating in the house and they talk about how the dad is gone and the the Yaz expresses her uh, fanhood for uh, the Arctic Monkeys, which uh, with a group from Sheffield, I guess, was inevitable that that would happen. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, so the whole first part of this episode is this um, kind of quiet uh, but threatening setting in the uh, in the forest and in this house that's out in the forest. And I thought it was pretty effective. How did you like this part? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite clear what was going to happen, you know, what kind of, you know, archetypal Doctor Who story this was. And I don't really think it was any of them because it went off in very strange directions. Um, we had, well, let's not skip to the end just yet, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was very effective. And, yeah, when you um, don't know what's coming, you're thinking this is going to be a base under siege, basically, right? That there's a yeah, mystery of yeah. the father being gone, and if he's dead or not, or, or or what is going on there, and there's the monster outside, and they're going to be inside, and, and that's what this episode is going to be. And that's not what this episode is at all. It... Uh, it is because it's revealed that the monster outside is actually sounds being played on speakers that the father has set up to keep his daughter from roaming around outside and going into the woods as a method of, I guess, kind of control. He may not be a very good dad, but he's sad because his wife died and they, they have in his grief. He's moved them out of Oslo and out into the this middle of nowhere place where uh, where they're just there and he's very sad. But now he's gone. So that's weird that he set this up and there's no monster. And then meanwhile, on the inside, what they find uh, in a, I, I thought, very effective scene where Graham is looking around uh, upstairs and there's this weird sound and all the sound in the in the episode sort of changes and he looks in a mirror and he's not there. And you're thinking, oh no, it took him away somewhere. Uh, is That was what I was thinking. But then Ryan also it, he comes in and also sees that he's not in the mirror and they have that moment of like, we're, we're, to- we're not vampires, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, and that's, and this, so there's something else strange happening here because the doctor reveals that that is not a mirror. It is a portal to somewhere else. And that's probably where the father has gone. And that's when this episode really changes. Yeah. And it's not a portal directly to you know a mirror universe there's a sort of weird bit in the middle yeah i uh, liked with- that moment where the doctor sticks her head in the portal because first off that's a very doctor kind of thing to do but also it's it's a uh, it's it's quite interesting to see her just like okay i'm gonna do this and she comes back and she's like i'm a little woozy but it, it was fine like she wants to see what's on the other side and the answer is a very weird place is on the other side uh, with a, a a strange uh, man who seems to live there with a belt full of six-legged rats. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the that's the anti zone, and we'll we'll um and before we step through the portal ourselves into the anti zone, I should mention there is that scene that I think is really kind of amazing, where uh, with the blind girl there, the doctor Hana, um, the doctor writes a note in chalk on the wall saying to ryan who's going to stay behind uh, you know basically assume her father is dead make sure somebody is you know taking care of her um you know it gives gives him some instructions that she doesn't want um 
Hannah to hear. But of course, she's very perceptive and and Ryan is a terrible liar. And so she figures <laughs> it out very quickly. But I th- it was one of those moments that I found really effective in amping up the tension because at this point, the doctor has gone from sort of like, well, maybe there's something out there and we don't know what's going on with the dad to with there being a portal and him being gone for days. Um, this is that moment where uh, it's, it's that extra chilling. Like the doctor hasn't expressed anything about the father and yet she writes assume that he's dead um that's yeah uh, and that's scary the, the at that point when uh, ryan is left alone with her i started to have that thought of is she the monster mm, right sure <laughs> and uh and given that she uh quite effectively knocks him out with a door later um uh, it I started to believe that perhaps there was something about her that was uh, unusual. But in fact, no, she was the most usual thing in the episode. Yeah, yeah, it it turns out that, but there is that that moment that I think, again, if you don't know what's going to happen, kind of amps up the, the your questions about it is he finds the speakers and finds that this is all fake. And, and so he's like, what is going on here? And he goes back inside. And the next thing that happens is she knocks him out and then goes through the portal. Um, the show doesn't try to make it like she's the monster at that point they could have made it seem more like that but it is definitely one of those moments where you're like you know this is not happening nothing here is happening the way that i expected which i like i like when that happens yeah um and i think the the contrast to the the anti-zone is pretty good because we have all this sort of very bright uh norwegian or Sheffield mm. Forest. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it's, it was it's, filmed. It's, I'm sure it's in Wales somewhere. It's all in Wales somewhere. Yes. Um, but then, yeah, we're, we're into this, uh, the anti-zone with like only one source of light, which happens with, to be a sort of red balloon. Red balloon. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and the creepy dude you mentioned with the rats on a belt is uh, Ribbons of the Seven Stomachs. Um, he is a, a really weird kind of gross guy. Although they ask if you've seen anybody, you know, pass through and he describes what is presumably Eric, the, the father. Um, and he says, you know, no horns, one mouth, ugly like you. (laughs) It's like, it's like a hell, hell, kind of like a hell dimension uh, things. What we, what we learn is that these kinds of things are created almost like a scab between the universe and other places in order to protect itself. Um, But then these creatures kind of colonize it and ribbons is one of those people. And we find out that there are flesh moths as well that are super scary and dangerous. And obviously these big rat things as well. Um, This part gave me a real Farscape vibe um, hmm. for some reason. like Because Farscape, especially like even on the ship in Farscape, it was an organic tech thing, and it all was vaguely gross. Like, everything in it was kind of gross and this, that's what the anti-zone felt like to me is it's it's weird and uh and disgusting and and scary <laughs> yeah and uh it's never really explained how he got in there he said something like i've always been in here right uh uh but yeah he he's just the sort of the the sort of caretaker I guess um, of this little Un- space until he's eaten by flesh moths, which happens. Well, well he got greedy. He um, did. He did. Somebody said that maybe the Vashta Narada grow up to be flesh moths. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. But it's you know. So so talk about a, a tonal shift. Like suddenly there's this weird dark. 
uh, creepy, uh, organic, uh, disgusting uh, place, the the anti-zone, as we learn it to ultimately be. And uh, this guy is dangerous and he wants the Sonic, so he's going to trade with them. Um, and he... he uh, but it's all a setup that I thought that was also interesting is like, you know, the doctor says right up front that um, there's more of us than there is of him. So it's unclear whether she's ever going to really let him get the Sonic, but it doesn't matter because he's he's also ripping them off and he cuts their string that's going to lead them back to the, the other portal and threatens to uh, to cut Graham's throat. And, uh, you know, basically there's all this other stuff that's going on, but it's all, um, diffused immediately by the arrival of the, the, the swarm of the flesh moths, because at that point they all have to hold still and then he gets eaten by moths. And that's the end of ribbons. Yes. I was, I was thinking he was cut to ribbons. He was cut to ribbons. I thought the same thing Um, in in, in a James Bond movie. Somebody would have said that. I guess you could say he was (laughs) cut to ribbons. Uh, but no, they don't, nobody does that. (laughs) It would be a, a new direction for Doctor Who if every time somebody died, the Doctor had a, a James Bond style quip. Mm, um, that, mm, yeah, that would be a, that would be a new a new era a new era. I think that would have been more of a, a David Tennant kind of thing. I feel like he could yeah, have, he could yeah. have gotten away with that, but maybe not now. I'm sorry, so sorry. He would say after it every time, but it wouldn't matter. He wasn't really sorry. Um, it, it, it was kind of uh, his demise was somewhat more gruesome than I, I was expecting. But um, yeah, there's that one thing that kind of f- pops out of his eye. One of the moths is d- dug down yeah. deep into like his his brain or whatever, and it pops out. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of gross. So that leads to the next part of the episode where there's another moment of like, oh, where they they come out of the portal, they run, rush out of the portal, and they're back in the house. Except it's not the same house. And I had that moment where I I was ahead of the story a little bit there, where I thought just because you're in the house doesn't mean you're like on the other side of the mirror. You're in a parallel universe. You're something is is wrong. You're not back where you were. Um, and this is, of course, where we learn what's really going on here, which to sum it up, I guess, is that there is a, a consciousness, an in- energy and intelligence that ha- was around when the universe started, but was incompatible to the universe. And so it essentially, the Solitract, and it essentially had to withdraw from the universe in order for the universe to form. But as a result, it's alone. And it, you know, it wants stimulation and it wants to talk to other people. And uh, and that's what's going on in this in this parallel uh, dimension. But they don't they, they it takes them a little while to figure it out. The first thing we see is that Eric is there, uh, Hannah's father, and he's not alone because there's two plates. And of course, it's the mother, the dead mother. Um, she's there. And she acts perfectly normally, and they and they don't really understand what's going on. And then in rapid succession, we also discover uh, that Graham discovers that uh, they say your friend. Don't you want to see your friend? That Grace is there too. Uh, to which Graham says, "Don't you know? Don't do this to me." Which I, I liked. I thought that Graham. Uh, really was uh, a, a major kind of emotional part of this episode and how he has to deal with seeing uh, seeing Grace uh, alive again, apparently, although also knowing he's in the sci-fi show and knowing that it, it can't hmm. it can't be right, even though everything everything she says is right. Um, and I I thought this was a cool 
uh, you know, a cool idea because I, I always kind of assumed that at the heart of this, it would be something about how the father was sad that the mother had died. And it's not quite what I expected, but it was it was in that in that ballpark. It's, and it's, you know, it's science fictional and they're being tempted, but it's also super sad because these are sad people who have lost somebody and are trying to retrieve it somehow. Yeah, and there had been, I think, rumors that Grace was going to show up in some form uh, later in the season. So I wasn't entirely surprised that it was her behind the conveniently placed sheet on the washing line. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, it was it was. I think uh, I think the Graham reacted very well in that scene. You know, with with the whole you know don't do this to me. Um, but then he kind of buys into it as well. Um, and I think that that's when we get to the sort of discovering the problem with this universe that as it's, there's too many people in it mm-hmm. currently and it's starting to fall apart. Um, yeah. yeah. So if I have a, um, so they do, the doctor sort of figures out at this point uh, with some help from Yaz and it's a, it's a big leap where she immediately jumps to the soul track theory. Uh, I guess the way we could work this is that she's figured it out and now she's sort of like telling Yaz about it. And she sort of, I think literally sits Yaz down and tells her about it. And I thought this was interesting because um, this is not something we've ever really heard about before. And she just kind of spools it out. I, I will say this is a part of the episode where I was a little frustrated that it was just coming out as, let me tell you my old bedtime story that my grandmother told me, my favorite, my Granny Five. fifth grand, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. But, but for me, it was like, I would, I kind of wanted to see the doctor figure it out and she figures it out almost immediately and then spends the rest of the time telling the story. And I, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of wanted to see the story be revealed in her figuring it out but that that's not how they approached it instead she like there's that moment where she literally sits yaz down on the bed and and lectures her about the the story of the soul attract and i was like okay i i i that didn't that didn't thrill me i I felt that like there was another way in it's a it's a wacky idea and i like it i like that it comes out of nowhere but i just i kind of wish i think it would have been maybe a little more effective if i had seen her work it out a little bit if it had been harder for her to work it out than it was i guess yeah, I mean, the, I think it's such a high concept thing. They had to just kind of spell it out uh, exactly what was going on. Uh, because, yes, a sort of sentient universe is uh, harder to explain. Yeah. But it, I, I think it worked reasonably well. I think there was such a lot going on in the episode that uh you know if you had the doctor running around for five or ten minutes trying to actually figure it out um there wouldn't have been much time for it i don't know i kind of just wanted her and and yaz to talk it through and figure it out rather than you know in that room in that moment rather than having her be like oh it's the soul attract let me tell you a story about it and being like okay we could do that i was you know it's you don't really need me here except to sit <laughs> yes just like just listen as i tell you this story um you and the audience both um and and the other issue so again i think it's a fun idea the other issue i have with it is um Look, these people who've been drawn to this universe have been drawn there because they're sad, because they're grieving. Like Eric is drawn there uh, and and gets to see his wife again. He's been grieving. He's very sad. And I think in terms of what this story is about, the idea of the soul attract itself 
this separate universe, uh, separate consciousness that can't be with the rest of the universe is a similar thing. They're alone. It's lonely and sad and all of those things. And it just wants to be, you know, be with people and, but it, it kills them. So it can't be. Um, and, and that's the part that I felt like was missing is like, I feel like Jodie Whittaker really gives a lot in terms of, uh, saying, you know, she'll sacrifice herself. Um, I've lived longer. I've seen more. I've loved more and lost more. I'll give you everything. I, like, and, and at the end when she walks away, um, into the white background and that scene that was in the trailer for this season where she's crying and she's waving goodbye. Like I thought I, I really liked her side of that, that conversation. Um, and we'll talk about the frog. I like the frog. I think the frog <laughs> is a fascinating litmus test for people who take things very seriously. I thought it was absurd and brilliant in its absurdity. But the problem I have with the solo tract in general is I wanted to feel more um, desire from the solo tract. I wanted to feel loneliness from them. I, I really wanted to feel the, you know, I need, I don't want to be alone Uh, I need somebody with me. I need experiences. And I felt like it was other than in that conversation with the frog on the, on the chair, um, that it was not very expressive. And I felt like maybe I could have understood it a little bit better and it would have uh, been a little bit more of an emotional connection if, if we could sense how lonely and sad it was. But, um, in an episode with lots of lonely, sad people, the solo track never really kind of connected to me as as being a lonely, a lonely, sad thing. Yeah, I did also think that the Doctor has probably lost far more people than everyone else combined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just put in some element of that as well. Right, you because know, if, because no, they don't they don't generate something for her. Yeah, exactly. And uh you know, I'm sure there's there's a number of former Doctor Who actors who would only be t- too happy to do an afternoon's work. Um, but yeah, so that that kind of didn't fully make sense. Uh, but yeah, talking frog. I I, I really like the talking <laughs> frog. Yeah, talking frog on the like. I don't like the the frog was kind of absurdly a puppet kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was trying to work out if it was sort of. CG that looked like a puppet or was literally just a, a, a puppet frog. And and that was, I mean, we could debate, like, would it have been better if that frog had been a completely realistic CGI frog where its mouth moved and it was like some one of these movies where ta- animals talk? Or is the whole point of it that it's absurd? And, you know, Yoda-like, um, speaking yeah, I, of little green guys certainly... who talk and are very wise. <laughs> I did think when when it held its uh, hand up to uh, banish the Doctor back that it, it was very sort of Kermit the Frog frog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was a cute idea. And as you say, it, it, I can see the something like that in an episode of Farscape. Um, oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, there's another Farscape connection because it's all about puppets, uh, frog, yeah. frogs and frog-like puppets. But I like I like the absurdity of it. Like, th- that's the whole point. For, I, I've definitely seen some people on, on uh, the internet who are like, oh, the frog, oh, it's so embarrassing. It's like, you know, I, I first off, I appreciate the choice because at some point in a meeting, somebody said, 
uh, there's a frog sitting on a chair, and that's the that's how this ends. That wow, that is a big risk. It's a wacky choice. Let's do it. Let's do the wacky thing and see what happens. Because it could just be, uh, you know, Gran sitting there, right? It could it could just be Grace. But it's Grace's yeah. voice, but it's not. It, but it's the frog, and it's absurd. And and again, you know, if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. That's fine. But it is intentionally absurd. That is the whole point. Is how do you personify an entire universe worth of consciousness and energy that is trapped and on its own and lonely? And the answer is, it doesn't even know what to do. So it just takes the frog because that was part of Grace's story, and it uses the frog because it likes frogs. Like I, I just I. I, I, I'm happy that they took that kind of a gamble. And although the frog is a little, you know, it's super puppety, um, I, I enjoy it because it's ridiculous. It, it is intentionally ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I think the last time when we were talking, I was complaining about the callbacks to previous Doctor Who seasons. Um, but we had to reverse the polarity gag oh, yeah. in this one. And I did appreciate that. Yeah, that was um, that was great. We, and and yeah, it's just like yeah, you you're good at this. You're you're you're, you're speaking my language. You're talking my language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really great. That was that was good. Yeah, you talk about the doctor having lost so many people. Um, and I I came I ran through a list of things that they could have they they could have had they could have had you know Carol Ann Ford in there for one moment or they could have had I mean a- anything they could have had the woman who was uh, the doctor's mother in End of Time uh, it could be silent they could have a hum you know mumbling uh, sound from around a corner of of people and said they're all right around the corner doctor all of your friends are here and we never see them like there are lots of ways they could have done that and i think it's interesting that that the episode chooses not to have the doctor tempted maybe it's because the doctor figures it out too fast and that that the uh that the 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 soul tract cannot um i don't know is not clever enough or to fool the doctor but maybe clever enough to fool a mourning husband um although it's it's copies seem you know it's copies seem perfect like it's it can it can copy the whole universe uh as it needs to it's it's not like they don't get the people they copy wrong they just you know it's in fact the manipulating how they behave in order to get them to stay is where they get it wrong that's where they go off the message i mean i i did think that if uh you know, it's, it's the standard asking the question that only you know the answer to, but you know what the answer is. So perhaps this consciousness is just reading your mind and Ex- giving you the answer. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think if they had done more than just the the wife uh, and Grace, I think it might have overloaded the episode a bit. Um, you know, if like, Literally everybody who was there had probably lost somebody at some point. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, so. it's, I mean, they, you have to make some decisions. I just thought, I thought it was interesting that they, the decisions they made and they, and they didn't make. Now, before we go back through the portal, I wanted to say um, some serious headcanon time here. I kept thinking what happened. So this is, so there are a couple things going on here that the episode doesn't, doesn't engage with at all. Okay. This is a, a consciousness that has existed for the entire run of the universe. And it has, it, and for some reason it ends up with this guy out in Norway. 
So <laughs> that Mike, I've got a lot of thoughts there about: is this just its first attempt? Has it does it do this all along, but it never really quite makes it? Does it occasionally just take somebody in who's mourning and give them a fantasy until they finally kind of fall apart, and then it goes on just to get gather a little bit? Um, and then what happens afterward? Like if it truly could play back uh, Hannah's mother and Grace so accurately. Is it reading all the thoughts of the people who kind of come into contact with us? It, does it, can it retain that? Is, is it going to be dreaming of Graham and Grace and of Eric and his wife and of the doctor and everybody she's known? Is, does it get to take that back with it? to its own place and and uh and if so does that mean that it's just watching doctor who now (laughs) these are my questions there are no answers but these are my questions yeah i mean it does seem like we're never going to hear this word ever again um right and you know it's just a throwaway uh, a throwaway thing but yeah, yeah but the, i do want the, i do wonder like if it's lonely and all this it's had this experience does it get to retain this and if it does it, you know it, it is it going to spend the rest of eternity doing this or is does it or does it occasionally just pop into our universe and 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 steal somebody who's desperate and take them in and kind of digest them whole i don't know yeah yeah, uh, yeah and maybe I the mean, doctor satisfied them it by being its friend or something i don't know i don't know uh yeah i mean the 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 the, why the random person in norway is is uh just and you know that the the doctor happens to land there right at this point i mean that's doctor in a nutshell really yes Mm -hmm. um yeah i i think uh I, I'm prepared to just go with it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think the the nice thing about the uh, about the episode not dealing with it is that it doesn't need to. Like that's that's the the thing I like about why does the TARDIS go where it goes? And it's been referenced from time to times that the TARDIS takes the Doctor where the Doctor needs to go, um, and that of course it does because that's the show and that's the episodes we see and that's why it goes there. And as for why the widower in the woods in Norway. Um, I kind of love that that isn't just not an issue. Suffice it to say, this is a story about a scary <laughs> house in the middle of the woods where the mother is dead and the father is is lured through a portal, right? Like, it doesn't... Why, why did this story happen? I don't know. It's not the point of the story. I'm okay with that. I... I like the line about, you know, they find all the bear traps and they say, you know, oh, that's not normal. It's like, why are you making all these bear traps? And it's like, well, the, the woods are full of bears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's sometimes normal. the woods are just full of bears. Yeah, normal for Norway. Um, so they, they do go back through the portal um, uh, and and the doctor says goodbye to the frog. And, uh, and uh, you know, I will dream of you, I guess, is the line. So there you go. Like, again, the the, the, the frog, the frog universe is going to be watching Doctor Who. That's a sentence I just said. And um, one of the touches when they get back to the to, to Norway is I really like how the dad, Eric, sees what the doctor wrote on the wall, um, mm. which I think it's like it it reinforces how seriously everybody took this involving the monster and the portal and all of that and also what he's sort of uh how he's how he's 
failed as a father in abandoning his daughter uh, to go off to his fantasy land with his dead wife. Um, and all of that is kind of in that moment. And I thought that was really good that he gets that, he gets that sense about it. And, um, and, and then the other big thing that happens here is Hannah and, uh, and Ryan, who we've seen their back and forth. I haven't talked about that a lot in this episode, but they're back and forth with, uh, with her not believing him because he's lying and then he knocks her out, but then he, she goes through the portal and then he goes through and tries to save her. And at the end, even though they talked about him like being, uneasy around kids um he you know he has a rapport with her which is really nice and then he also gets that moment with graham at the end where they talk about uh how ryan has heard that he saw something that he thought was grace and um i thought that was a really great moment that's where it got a little emotional for me i gotta say where they're you know this is a moment where uh he even though he's been kind of standoffish uh ryan has with graham here he you know says i miss her too and he calls him granddad which we've been set up for for like eight episodes and it finally happens but it's the right time right because this is their shared grief and an acknowledgement of that which um i thought was really touching and uh, you know for me you know when my uh father passed away the thing that that hit me the most in my in my uh lowest points of grief was actually hit me emotionally the most was actually the kindness of people of other people um in those moments just to see the, the kindness there and that's what i got from ryan in that moment too is ryan knows how painful it must have been for graham and uh and he lets down his guard and pays him the compliment of calling him granddad and i thought it was really beautiful and well set up and well done uh one of the things that we haven't really talked about um is the fact that the daughter is blind and it's not really an issue you know it's kind of it has a slight amount of plot relevance of her going through the the caverns but not really right um she's She's kind of just presented as, you know, being fairly competent. In, and Indeed. Uh, I think that that was one of the subversive things about this episode is part of the setup is uh, this horror movie setup of a, a cabin in the woods and the, the father has disappeared and the daughter is blind. And how is she going to survive? And you, you can immediately in your mind, you see all these kind of horror movie tropes and cliches like she's gonna not be able it's like uh, like jodie foster in the dark and uh in silence of the lambs it's gonna be you know the one character can't see the danger and that's gonna be terrifying because we will see the danger and all that and you know what no that's not it at all and so instead the episode is just like no she's blind that's all it's not a it's not a code it's not a secret it's not part of the plot really other than in a couple of moments where the doctor writes that secret message but like it's just she's she's just somebody who has a disability it's not what the episode is about and it doesn't really define her and i Mm. you know that seems very intentional and i think clever yeah and uh the actress also is a uh, is blind herself so yeah. it wasn't just that they had somebody you know play blind as it were yeah um, and i thought she, i thought she did a great job i really enjoy when she um 
she knows that Brian is lying to her and she is not interested in that garbage. And I think that was great. <laughs> I, yes, I, I really, yeah. I really like that. Then she knocks him out and goes through a, a dangerous portal, which is like, maybe you shouldn't have done that, but she's, you know, she's headstrong, I guess. And she wants to go find her dad. And, uh, and also I think really great is that she knows, um, not only does she know that Ryan's lying, she knows it's not her mother. I think that's, that's, a, yes. that, that was a really great moment. Like the kid, the kid knows. The daughter knows it's not her mom. Yeah, and and I think it's it's almost the sort of the theme of the season that you know the thing that is supposed to be the monster isn't the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they seem to like completely misdirecting. You know, so we yeah, as I said, we sp- I spent the episode trying to work out you know who's the who's the monster, and you know we had a sentient universe that was a bit lonely but you know it didn't seem to be doing it just to like destroy the entire universe right, it wasn't or, trying to kill or, anybody yeah it just wanted some friends yeah exactly <sighs> anything else we should talk about about this episode anything else that struck you about it um good question uh i think uh it's probably one of my favorites of the season so far um it also felt a bit more old school doctor who to mm. me um but yeah i mean coming off the uh kablam uh oh, two weeks ago uh you know in in uh contrast to it i i enjoyed it an awful lot um yeah so i, I mean i think at this point we're kind of what was that episode 9 yeah, you know we've had eight pretty good episodes, which for you know any given season of Doctor Who is pretty good rate. Yeah, i i think I think so. I I think this might be my favorite of the bunch so far, um, but that keeps changing. I I, uh, I I like it when I keep thinking, oh well, but this one was good, and then the next week, oh, but this one was good, and then Kerbal Am happened, and then we moved on, uh, and then <laughs> Witchfinders was good, and but this, I really like this. I like I like the feel of it. I like how it uh, subverted my expectations. Um, you know, watching a, an episode back a uh, second, third, fourth time is different than seeing it for the first time and not literally not knowing what happens. And I don't know whether the the this you know subversion of my expectations will work at all right knowing what's mm. to come uh you just sort of have to appreciate it for how clever it is and in, in in doing that but you can't yourself be subverted again unless you forget the episode and then you know go long enough without watching it that you don't remember which one it is but um so who knows how it'll you know i'll i'll read it on rewatch but um the first watch i quite enjoyed it i thought it was really uh good all the way through um liked liked the uh the twists and turns and the weird uh farscape <laughs> anti-zone and and all of it all right well next week is the finale we're already oh, there so soon yeah i know well down to 10 episodes that's going to happen faster than 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 usual but then after, a few weeks after that will be the uh new year's special so there's one more hour after this one um but i think that's it until next week so james thank you for coming on in the midst of your holiday from out in the middle of the uh atlantic uh and so thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your vacation for me well, I'm perhaps I'm just through a mirror uh, oh, in no. some other universe. Are, is this the frog again? 
<laughs> I just sound like James. Oh. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. We will see you next week. Doctor Who Flashcast. Doctor Who Flashcast.